Okay. Mm-hmm. Can. Recording attempt number two. <laughs> from the start, is it? Yeah, from the start. Welcome to Hidden Among Us, episode 18, October Hello. 1st. Hello. Hello. <laughs> happy October, guys. Happy the day we're recording is hap- this. Yep. Is it happy? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. This year is a train wreck. It That's really is. Mm-hmm. Train wreck of a year. I... <laughs> thing is, this year is both very... Wow, Shan, amazing. <laughs> This year is both very slow and very fast at the same time. Yeah, it is. It really, really is. So, it's like... My year really went January, February, March, uh, October. <laughs> Dubai is so wild that it, we're literally at the end of the year. Yeah. Soon it's time for Christmas. Yeah, it's going to be Christmas. Uh, I mean, okay, Halloween first. That's what's at the end of the month and look forward guys um special halloween episode so something yes. to look forward to on the 31st um yeah but then november december and then the year's done mm. and we spend the better oh, no. half of this year in circuit breaker in quarantine it's just so strange yeah it really really is Yeah, and we're going to be masked for quite long. <laughs> yes. I, do you think we would be, like, do you think it would be mandatory to wear masks for the rest of our lives? Probably. It uh, could not be. the rest of it our lives. It could be the new normal. I mean. It, it could be for quite a while, at least the next two years, I see. But, yeah. Two and years, probably. I think the inertia to remove is also quite strong, like, in the sense that it's so ingrained in our daily lives now. Um, mm. and because you know safety and hygiene, and there's always the the risk. You know, when like it'll take a bit of an inertia, I guess, up uh, like about a year before people start mm. um changing. And I guess it will take a while also to readjust the whole um like mask situation in the sense that it used to be people who wear masks are sick. So like yes, post pandemic, yes. I don't know how we're gonna reshift back into the ideology which is really very interesting like you think about how like governments and state have the power to create like behavioral behavior changes like within our citizens and like you know like govern our mentality it's an actual concept that we learn in school like government mentality like mm. yeah the, like it's, it's just so interesting like with the pandemic and like once the government said like okay you wear masks and then it really became so ingrained in our lives that we never questioned it and we just do it and like with state laws mandated it, you you kind of can't argue around it. Yeah. yeah the point yeah. where when you come out post-pandemic, it might feel even weird for us to be not wearing a mask. And like, yes. yeah, I foresee myself having like inertia already. Like when it comes to like not wearing a mask because I always want to on the safer side. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's mm, interesting. I think it'll be normal. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it'll take me a while. Like, definitely not the same time as everybody else who will remove. Like, because I think a lot of people remove because of the uncomfort. The, the, the discomfort, actually, yeah, that comes from yeah. wearing a mask. Like, for me, I completely understand why we have to wear masks. And I know I have to, but oh my god, it's just so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the latest best, the latest best, the latest batch of masks are pretty comfortable. But man, I can't breathe in them and it just sucks. So, yeah, definitely. But it's, not, it's not to the point where like I'm up in arms on the street protesting against wearing masks so that's okay yeah yeah I see it as an overall benefit for society so yeah but definitely before I went for my like nose surgery oh my god like I went for my nose surgery like about a few weeks after COVID became like like a thing in Singapore like a big thing like it started mm-hmm. to increase so I was fortunate enough to be able to conduct like to still proceed my surgery yeah but But then, like, because everybody was being cautious and wearing masks already. Um, mm. And then, like, I tried wearing a mask when I was on the way to the hospital. And it was, oh my god, I almost fainted on the road. Because mm. it was so hard to breathe. So, I think it is a legitimate concern for some people. Mm. Yeah, which is... 
I guess tough for them to navigate. But I guess you can always appeal in those cases, lah. Like when you cannot breathe without a mask, because I'm sure there's some people who can't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think they have to use a face shield. Yeah, correct, correct. Mm. But okay. like the face shields aren't very protective. Protective, yeah. Even those people. Yeah, it doesn't cover shields. the bottom. Yeah, people who wear face shields usually have a mask underneath as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's very small kids who have to wear face shield because mask aren't good for like correct small babies. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing that I was thinking about, and I guess I have to look into it and do some research. But I was wondering about, you know, for us able-bodied people, like the the instruction, the law to wear masks, we can get by it because like it doesn't like drastically affect our health or anything but like what about disabled people or people with respiratory issues like how do they navigate this you know especially in the beginning um before like those you know they have those plastic things you can put in your mask so like you can breathe better before those things came in i i wonder how they negotiated it Mm. i think you were just told to like not not go out of the house which isn't which isn't practical. Yeah, it's not practical at all. Interesting though. Definitely, there will be some discriminatory laws, lah. Like yeah, they, we definitely inevitably discriminate people with disabilities in this pandemic. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like in any global situation, like any pandemic, um, the focus is mainly on like able-bodied people, and we always forget about disabled peoples and people who like you know like you you kind of need to pay attention to their community because like they are more at risk i mean even the elderly also Mm. like because a lot of the technology that we can use they don't know how to use yeah they don't have access and stuff but i guess the good thing that the government has been doing is like um they have those safe entry sort of like tutorials that they have on TV and it's on like your Mediacorp public channels and stuff so your the elderly can like look at that and sort of like you know easy navigate it but not everyone has a smartphone so yeah this is this is the other thing not everyone has a smartphone I mean then you can use your IC yeah it's just that because the information channel everything is online so yes, you know, it's hard to thing. get the information that is them. the thing that is the thing. But also thinking about how, like, wow, technology has really, like, shifted for, like, to adapt to COVID. Like, for example, like, my Apple Watch, in the latest update, it has this feature where if I'm washing my hands, um, it starts a timer, 20 seconds, so it will wow. count down. Yeah. So it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Not bad. I have so. yet to collect my mask. Oh, I need to do that. Oh my god. I totally yeah. forgot. When does it end? 4th of October. But it's so like this. out of the way for me. Oh my god. Oh my god. Navy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Navy. Yeah, you have to go down to the CC, but my house is not near any CCs. Oh my god. Can't they just mean, it over to me? That's where. Yeah. <laughs> I have to freaking like take a bus all the way. Oh my god, can I just donate it to someone else? <laughs> <laughs> you pay ten bucks for it. Yeah, you pay and it's nine bucks, I think. Yeah, it's nine. Is it nine bucks? Yeah, it's nine. Remember. It's nine. Maybe I'll I mean, go I'll on. see if I'm going. Oh, okay. You let me know. Anywhere fam. Near. If not, yeah. you can send a screenshot to me, I'll get my sister to collect it for you. <laughs> Why does your sister go near CC's? The CC's are across my house. It's nearby my house. Oh. Okay. Why, you may ask, am I not collecting it? Um, I'm not leaving the house. My sister goes to school and on the way back, she can collect. Oh. <laughs> so well, I can ask her for a favour. Mm. <laughs> to be honest, I can I mean, the problem her. is, when will you guys meet? Yeah, that's the second issue. I mean, I don't need it now, desperately. So... Next year. <laughs> Oh my god, no, like later this month or something when we go out to eat <laughs> Honda next year. Do you really hate me that much? <laughs> I mean at least for you if I were to collect, you were somewhere near my vicinity sometimes. <laughs> for like work. 
so it's like easier to like just pass it to you. But then Chris is like, we see her once in a blue moon. Stop. <laughs> There's no reason for me to leave my house. Oh my god. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm gonna move on before y'all like attack me. Yeah. So it's Honda, right? Honda. <laughs> no, it's not me. I didn't prepare. Sorry. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, Honda. Let's keep it civil here. Do you have a story for us today? <laughs> no. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Okay, today's story is not for the squeamish. Wow. Okay. Basically not for Chris lah. I'm not squeamish. She's not squeamish. Okay, fair enough. I'm easily She's just frightened. easily scared. Yeah, I'm easily frightened, but not, not. I don't think I'm that squeamish. Like certain things make me squeamish. Squeam- yeah, certain squeamish. certain things. Yeah, certain things. Mhm. Okay. <laughs> Tell me. I'm I'm excited. Okay. This story is about a Japanese cannibal. I love oh. cannibals. Another story <laughs> from Japan. <laughs> Japan about well, like. Real weird shit. The crime occurred in Paris, not Japan, but it's still a Japanese crime. Wait. Ah, uh, I think you know it's quite Wait, famous. I referenced <laughs> this. I think I referenced this in one of the earlier episodes. Cause um, we had a discussion about what human meat tastes like. Mm-hmm. And I think oh. I said some killer. You know, I'm I'm not gonna. Honda, you tell. So I'm pretty sure this is part of your story. Uh, okay, so this case is about a Japanese man named Sagawa Issei, born on 26 April 1949. Mm. Now, his parents are known to be wealthy, and his father was the president of Kurita Water Industries, and his grandfather was the editor of the Asahi Shimbun, which is one of the five national newspapers in Japan. Mm-hmm. Why is it always these rich people are like freaking weird? Oh, but yeah, this this the, that's the key thing that his family is rich. Okay. Okay. It helps him out in the end. Mm. Oh, I can kind of yeah. guess why, but okay. Like, of course, why wouldn't they help him in the end? Yeah, he had bad health since he was born, as he was born prematurely, leading to like several complications. And his health and his poor health made like made him more introverted and developed, and then because he was more introverted, like you know, he had more introverted like he liked more introvert like activities. Mm-hmm. So and he developed like a strong interest in literature. Oh, wow! Even <laughs> literature. No, no cannibal here. No cannibal here. <laughs> He even completed a master's degree, master's degree in English literature at Kwansei oh God, no! University. <laughs> wow, Chris, I think you're tight. Look, looking for men, Japanese cannibals with an interest in English literature. God damn it! <laughs> mm. so he first developed cannibalistic desires when he was in the first grade after he saw a male tie. <laughs> Oh, and he also said God. that he had. It used to be a <laughs> Why are you just laughing? And he also had bestiality with a dog. <laughs> no, not the dog. The poor doggo. Leave, leave animals alone, man. Like, what is up with these people? Mm. It's a bit screwed up. You know, right? And of course, he had cannibalistic desires with a woman. Of course. What else could we expect from him? So when he was 24, he was still a university student at Wako University. And he followed a tall German woman home and broke into her house while she was sleeping. He had wanted to eat a part of her buttocks, but she had woken up and pushed Sagawa to the ground. And fortunately, she was able to call the police and he was charged with attempted rape 
but he did not confess his true intentions at the time. However, these charges were later dropped as his father paid a settlement to the victim. Yeah? Can I just interject and... Did you just say buttocks? Like... (laughs) Yeah. He wanted he's, to eat her butt. He's not a boobs uh, man. He's an ass man. <laughs> yeah, he's an ass man. <laughs> no, but yeah. like really kudos to the German girl though. Like she, I guess, really overpowered Ooh. him. Does it tie in later? Hmm. Um, you'll know why in a quick <gasps> second. Okay, okay. So, but yeah, it's quite infuriating how his father paid a settlement, you know, so all the charges were dropped. And then... He is let go back into society again. Mm. So after the incident, he went to a psychiatrist and confessed his deviant desires. But the psychiatrist like saw him as a danger to society and proceeded to classify him as highly dangerous. But the father covered it up and sent him overseas. Can you imagine how the conversation went though? Like he's just like, so um, I kind of like think I want to eat human flesh and then the psychiatrist is probably that eye mouth eye meme staring back at him like um what am I supposed to do with this information (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so this is like his early life and it already sounds you know kind of bad right so I hope you're ready for the next parts yeah, he moved to Paris, France in 1977 when he was 27 years old to pursue a PhD in literature at Sorbonne. And he said that while in Paris, he would... Shen, can you pronounce it? Can I pronounce it? No. <laughs> no, can you not call me out every week for my Sorbonne. failed French? I'm just... <laughs> Sorbonne? <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt. Honda, please continue. Shen, you should just do a Korean story just to test Chris Korean, like Chris Korean like knowledge. That's right. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So he said that while in Paris, he, in, he would invite prostitutes every night and try to shoot them, but in the end, he couldn't. So the crime he was most known for occurred on the 11th of June, 1981. He was 32 at the time. And he invited his classmate, René Hartveld, a Dutch person, for dinner at his home. Mm-hmm. René was 25 at the time, and she was 178 cm tall. Holy shit. Compared to Sagawa, who was 144.8 cm. Yeah, he had chosen her as he saw that she looked healthy and beautiful, and he like she had traits that he thought he lacked. Saga, yeah, yeah Saga no. also. He was basically projecting <laughs> onto them. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he actually managed. You, know, you ask, like, how the hell did he get close to her if she's so beautiful, as she mm-hmm. says, right? So he got close to Renee by employing her as a private German tutor. He used his father's money and gave her a good wage, and they developed a friendship. And would also go out for dinner and went to art exhibits. Oh, Oh, damn. Yeah, the night he planned to kill her and eat her. And yeah, he had planned... At that night, he planned to kill and eat her so that he could absorb her energy. Okay. What? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. I don't know what energy. He used the excuse of translating poetry for school assignment to lure her into his apartment. And as she was reading the poem, Sagawa shot her in the back with a rifle. Yeah, Sagawa mentioned that he had fainted after he had shot her, but woke up in order to carry the rest of his plan. He even contemplated calling the ambulance, but decided against it as he could finally achieve his dream. Oh god. I'm scared. What is this dream? Uh, his dream is to eat like a, a, a person's oh dear body. God. That's his that's his sexual gratification. So after Rene passed away, passed on, she, he had sex with the cops and continued on to eat her. However, he found that he couldn't bite into the flesh as he as his teeth were not sharp enough. So he went out to buy a butcher Wait, knife. Wait, he tried to eat her like an apple, like bite, bite through the skin. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he thought it was soft. And his favorite part is the buttocks, which is one of the toughest, not one of, it is the toughest skin on your body, like the toughest part of the oh. body. Mm-hmm. Is that where the phrase hard ass comes from? Badoom. I'm hilarious. Please appreciate my humor. Okay, moving on. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so after he went out to buy a butcher knife, he later consumed various parts of her body, such as the breast and face. And he ate it either raw or cooked. At the same time, he also took photographs of the body at different stages of like him eating oh, the body. God. So... Finally, two days after killing her, he packed her remaining body into two suitcases and tried to dump it into a lake. But there were also several witnesses of him trying to do that. So, and the body was soon discovered by the police and he was soon arrested. Oh, dear God. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I'll now move on to like, the details of this arrest. And this part is also equally okay. infuriating. His father provided a lawyer for Sagawa, and after two years of waiting for the trial, he was found to be legally insane and unfit to stand trial, and was sent to a mental institution. The way we are rolling, and the, guys, are yeah. you kidding me? Okay. Yeah, the increasing attention around him prompted the French authorities to send him back to Japan, where he was committed okay. to a hospital in Tokyo. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But the, the level of yeah, but his fa- premeditation parents... though, like, he's definitely not clinically insane. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think from, like, what I see, he's actually pretty aware of what mm. he did. Yeah, he's very self-aware. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. very creepy. Yeah, his parents found a psychologist that was compliant and deemed him sane and found that sexual perversion was his sole motivation for the murder. Mm-hmm. But the charges against him in France had been dropped and the court documents had been sealed, which meant that Japanese authorities were not able to legally detain him. So, he then went on to check himself out of the hospital on 12 August 1986 and is still free till today. We have a but eating cannibal living amongst us. See, this is why the title of our podcast yeah. is actually called Hidden Among Us. <laughs> Holy shit. Yes. Indeed. Yeah, he's still alive today. But, you know, because he he's so, like, notorious, you know, of course, this isn't, isn't the last, that wasn't the last time the world has heard of him. So yeah, for he, sure. He published books on the murder and even appeared on television and also was a columnist on magazines. He was enjoying mm-hmm. the attention he, he got produced... from this. What the? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His, he written a book called In the Fog, which is one of his like known work where he recounts the murder in detail. Yeah. This is... Yeah, he does... You know, he does all these appearances because that's the only way he can make a living. Because no, obviously no one would ever employ him so these appearances would, are the only way to Wait, sustain so, his so life did that mean, does and that mean that his the, like, family cut him off I think by oh, then right. after a while um, his oh, parents passed away so he didn't get any of the wealth I read it? that no he got mm. inheritance but mm. I read that his father passed away from how do you say this in English stroke something along those lines because of all the stress mm. he had to deal with like his son I mean, the son... I mean, Loki, the father, kind of enabled his son. Mm. True. But yeah. yeah, The stress and everything. He he even flew to Paris to, like, deal with everything. When he came back, he lost a lot of weight. And and because of his son still, you know, being notorious and, like, still making, like, you know, his name known in the media, it added on to his stress. And he also published a manga is a comic where he drew out what he did. So if you search Sagawa Issei comic, you can see the drawings that he drew. And it's pretty crude. You see like a weird looking man 
and like a big woman. I and wonder just how, you, how do you spell his name? I am so curious. How do you spell? Yeah, S A G A. S A G A W A. Then Ise I S S E I. I S S what? E I. Oh. Comic. Or manga. Okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Do you see it? Like the images? There's this one. Wow, you can't see anything because my brightness is at max. Just like this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Like those drawings. You just see on like the images tab. Not the yeah, all tabs. But the... Oh, yikes, man. Um, I just saw one of the crime scene <laughs> photos and I really wish... Um. <laughs> uh, okay, Um. that's great. I'm just going to close this tab right now and um cleanse my brain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Google Images. <laughs> I came for like terribly drawn um comics, but you gave me actual crime scene photos. <laughs> oh my god, he cut the butt. Yum. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean he did say that he didn't actually want to kill her. He just wanted her to butt was like, why he just wanted you... to eat. Okay. Okay, interesting. Alright. <laughs> But like you know, after all, like his publish, all all he did in the media and all like the publishing things, he soon couldn't find anyone to publish his work or to work with him. Yeah, I wonder why. I, the media, but first of all, the media was quite sleazy to like Mm. giving these opportunities. Yes, definitely. This is damn disgusting, and he, cause you know he had Mm. poor health. So in 2013, he had a cerebral hemorrhage. So now he's like bedridden. And he also can't eat. So he has to be fed directly to his stomach and has chronic diabetes. Yeah, he's taken care of by his brother, who's like the only like family left. I think the rest of the family sort of just cut their relations with him. Which is understandable. And yeah, in 2019, there's actually a film that came out, a documentary film about his life after the the murder, you know, and what he mm. had been doing. It's a French-US mm. production, but the reviews are mixed for obvious <laughs> reasons. Because, mm. again, you're giving him the spotlight yes, that he yes. wants, you know, and the money that he, he wants also. Yeah, I, I love these killers, like, feed off of ego. So, like, the more publicity you give them the more they sort of get off on it you know what i mean yeah and, and this guy yeah you know what's the worst what? publicity what? that he got he starred in a porno why am i not surprised no no and guess what is it he had to, like him reenacting the murders no no like... no 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 not reenacting but close he he eats ass yeah, he literally bit on the buttock of like a uh, actress. Oh man! Oh, that sucks. Oh, oh, it's so disgusting. Sucks. Like, you know, I yeah. really feel so bad for the victim and her family. And uh, you, if you search him on YouTube, um, Vice did uh, yeah, an interview with him back in twenty eleven, and I saw that like quite a few years mm. ago, and. I didn't even finish the video because it was so disgusting. And this is the guy that said that um, human meat tastes like tuna. Uh, okay, I think that that like raw ten like that rawness of like tuna, that so red tuna. Holy shit! Okay, I do not want to know. <laughs> Anyone out there who hasn't eaten raw tuna before, you're safe. You don't know what it tastes like. <laughs> but yeah, that's the story. What is yeah. an interesting one? Also, the reason why I guessed that like he. Like in his pornos, he sort of like reenacted the crime, was because like um, there was this case that I read many years ago, on um, in a reader's digest, called like the the Bobbit case. 
Uh, okay, one of the one one of the podcasts I listened to, like they covered this case like recently. Is it recently? I think so. I can't remember. My memory's all over the place. <laughs> but basically, um, this case, this Bobbit case, and I guess we'll cover it one day. Um, the wife essentially like she, <laughs> she chops off her husband's penis. <laughs> Oh yeah. God. Oh. And then like she was in like, yeah. That's so harsh. it was because like he abused her and stuff. He was just like a really shitty man. And what happened was okay. So, mm-hmm. good news is um the doctors were able to like reattach it to his body, but this guy <sighs> like he went on but... to like do pornos. Like, he entered the porn industry and like a lot of like oh the, um. Like, the, the, the porn films he did was, like, very related to, like, what happened. Isn't he oh, traumatized? This guy's a shitty dude. That's the thing. He, he was a really, really shitty dude. Uh, okay. And, like, I think, um, yeah, it, it just basically... Mm, so, that's why I sort of guessed that he would have done something with the crime in his porno films. Because, like, once again, it ties in with the whole getting off on it, you know. He loves the attention, clearly. It's so, so gross. gross. Huh? Weirdos. <laughs> Men are trash. <laughs> Men are Chen, trash. Chen saying something so controversial yet so brave. Yeah, I'm sorry. If you're a man and you're listening to this, um, you can file an appeal. Um, <laughs> appeal. I'll read you on a case-by-case basis to exempt you from this statement. <laughs> but if otherwise, then men are trash. <laughs> Men are trash. Okay, I feel like, just to clarify, we shouldn't be going into the whole, you know, all men aren't like that. I mean, obviously, if you don't fall into this category, we aren't referring to you. When we say... (laughs) I mean, unless you're a cannibal. When we say men are trash, we're not referring to every single individual man existing on Earth. It's obviously referring to, like, Exactly. And, like, please don't come in with the whole yeah. generalization be thingy because, like, please. Don't be yes. so butthurt. Um, historically, y'all, y'all from the male species have been doing some really terrible male shit, species. especially to us from the female species. So, I feel like we have, we have some right to say that. Okay. Now that we've said something so controversial yet so brave, um, let's move on. <laughs> okay, I, I okay, um, Uh-oh. can I just freehand an experience? I hate I'm this so much. I'm kidding. <laughs> I hate this so much. I'm so done. I'm so freaking done. I'm okay. I prepared a pretty interesting story today. Um. I promise you, I was actually researching very hard for things related to Reddit. Ha, but I ha, find sucker! <laughs> sucker! And I really want to talk about possessed pets, but the stories were boring and I don't like. If it doesn't even entertain me, it probably won't entertain you. So, oh well, I'm going to start today's story. So, I think I'll shout out most directly to Wikipedia and Coconuts, <laughs> um, just for giving me... Coconuts? Coconuts is an actual website, okay? <laughs> Coconuts. So... Coconuts so, uh, or what? Coconuts? Coco, like okay. legit coconuts. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it is a, it's a folklore in, in Thailand. Mm. This is yeah, this is a very famous story in Thailand, actually. Like, a lot mm. of people know about it. Um, so, it's a folklore. So, it's a story about a beautiful young woman named Minak. A pregnant young woman living along Pra Kanong Canal in central Bangkok with her husband during the mid-1800s to 1900s. Because it's a folklore, nobody really knows what is the actual period. And also nobody knows whether it's a real person or a very mm. fictitious story that was passed down by generations. But it's a super popular story that like all virtually every Thailand mm. person would know. Mm. Uh, every Thai person would know, yeah. So, um... So what happened was that um, Maynard's husband, Mark, was actually drafted into the military. Um, so with Maynard being pregnant, Mark was actually sent to war where he was oh, seriously no. wounded. Mm-hmm. While he was being nursed back to health in central Bangkok, Maynard and her baby died during childbirth while he was gone. Oh. 
However, when Mark returned to find them, seemingly found them alive and well in their home. So, Mina mm. and her son were actually alive and in the house when uh, Mark actually came back from Bangkok after being nursed back to health from going to war. So, his neighbours actually tried to warn him that he's actually living with ghosts. Was this turned into died. a Thai horror oh, no. movie? Okay. Yes, there were actually many, 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 many horror mov- movies about this. It was it was a folklore turned into popular culture mm. in Bangkok. Okay. Yeah. So, there are easily more than 10 films or series oh about this particular story. Mm. It's super popular. Yeah. But, um, I think the most popular one is with Mario Mora. Um, it's... It's uh, a really handsome Thai guy. Um, I used to love him when I was a child. He... he he did a Thai film and I really loved it. But yeah, um, it's called Pima. I'm pretty oh, sure okay, you guys will oh. Okay, it sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, so in some versions of the tale, anyone who actually tried to warn Mark that he was leaving with ghosts were actually killed. Um, yeah, but in other stories, uh, Mina was actually making food on the porch when she drops a lime um, while making Thai chili. And what happens is, instead of picking it up normally, she stretches her arm out Ooh. to pick it up. And like Mark Elastigirl sees. or something. Oh. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's that's when Mark knows that, oh, that's not my wife. <laughs> she did what so, gave it away. <laughs> whatever the case. Yeah. So, whatever the case, whether it was neighbours informing Mark or whether he actually saw, nobody actually knows. But whatever the case, he eventually realises that he has been living with ghosts and he tries a way to flee mm-hmm. without alarming her. So, that particular night, Mark Minang actually says that she he has to go... Mark, okay, sorry. That night, Mark actually says he has to go downstairs to urinate. So, he then runs away into the night because, you know... Uh, there really is no way for him to escape um, from his wife and the son because mm-hmm. um, she's always mm. with him at home. Oh. So and, and he's also still wounded from war. So it's like a bit mm. difficult for him to run away. Yeah. So discovering that husband has fled, Mina actually pursued him. Oh, no. uh, Mark actually sees her and he conceals himself behind a plant named the Blumia balsamifera bush. Um, I tried to find a simpler term for it, but that was it. It's just, it's just mm-hmm. a, it's just a plant. Um, and according to folklore, folklore, ghosts are actually afraid of the sticky bloomier leaves. Mm. Oh, so he he very cleverly chose a bush, or very luckily came across this bush, and he just hid behind it. Yeah. Then um, wow, you know, cause the environment is not really good for a ghost, so. While his wife may not actually like trying to navigate the space, Mark then runs to the Wat Mahabud temple, which according to beliefs, Nak and the baby could not follow him there as ghosts and spirits cannot enter the temple's okay. holy grounds. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um this was said to have sent Nak into a huge rage. Like in her grief, Mina actually terrorizes the people of Prague. Kanong, which is where the canal is at, that particular area, furious at them for causing Mark to leave her. Um, yeah, so she actually is a wife that has very strong attachment to her husband. Like she's mm. very in love. And I guess it's the it's the grief of like losing like like dying at childbirth without her husband that makes her long to come mm. back as a wife to kind of accompany her husband and be so that's why forever, she came you know? back as a ghost yes yeah. uh, that's why her and her son came back as a ghost it's very similar to a lot of Singaporean stories that we have actually about like uh, vengeful ghosts but this one's not really vengeful it's more of like she mm. really loves her husband so much she's she's a very she's a very beautiful yeah. young woman like according to folklore and all the movies that have been made portray her as this really beautiful elegant lady that you know were like will cause like mm. guys to turn their heads so yeah, she she was. It's just really a story of a very, um, beautiful woman, um, who loves her husband so much, but died during childbirth. But yeah, so to move on, 
Um, so eventually, because you know her spirit was still living on Earth, and she was actually causing like um harm, um to the people of the particular area in Prakhanong. So, um, Minak's ghost actually was eventually captured by a powerful exorcist. So mm-hmm. this exorcist is of considerable expertise, and he actually captures Nak's ghost in a earthen jar and throws her into the canal, like the, oh. the jar. However, this is not the end of the story. According to the folklore, there are differing versions mm. of the rest of the story. So in one, an old couple new to Prakanong actually finds the jar while they are fishing. And uh-huh. in another, two fishermen actually dredge up the jar. So either way, it's these two possibilities. It's either an old couple or a fisherman. Um, but eventually, Nak is actually freed when they opened it. Because, you know, he actually, the exorcist oh before God. actually captured the... So, um, yeah, so obviously she went to terrorize the village again. And then um, she eventually... Yeah. There's nowhere else to put it. I don't know. I mean, 1980s. 1800. I mean, 1800s, sorry. Okay, but also... Yeah, 1800s. Understandable because, like, I don't think there's anywhere else they would want to keep this, like, jar with the contained spirits in, like, why would you exactly? It might crack if you throw it into. A no, canal. I think I think yeah. the hope was that the waters would like wash it away into oblivion. You know what I mean? Then shouldn't exactly. they have thrown it into the sea or something? Yeah, but I don't think the a uh, sea is not very accessible in Bangkok. Uh, mm. not very accessible in Bangkok. They have a lot of re- reservoirs mm. and canals. Okay, there's really no place because yeah. if you like bury it somewhere, like it could be dug up again hmm. yeah let us know where would you put yeah, so, an earthen jar with a spirit inside in Chris's house I feel JK. like in Japan it will be enshrined oh. and then there will be a temple you know like like the like the headless um, guy uh, no masakado the flying man haunts yeah. me because <laughs> I make fun of him yeah either way um, even though she terrorizes the village, not long after, she's actually conquered again by a venerable monk. Mm. I'm not very sure how to pronounce his name, but um, I'm just going to attempt it. It's Somdet Pra Putachan. So, so the monk actually confines her spirit in the bone of her forehead. So he actually, yeah, he's a very powerful spirit. And uh, I mean, exorcist and he basically like took a part of her forehead and kept like kept her spirit in her forehead herself and I'm not sure how the <laughs> wizardry behind this works but Thailand's black magic and whatever is something that I will yes. not question so um, I believe that that was what happened um, yeah and so he binds it in his waistband so he takes that piece of her forehead a piece of her forehead which captures her spirit and then puts it on his waistband Legend says that this waste man is actually currently in the possession of the royal family. Mm. Oh. Yeah, not to so, throw shade and all, but like right yeah. now the like the king, if I'm not wrong, is under a lot of scrutiny. So maybe mm-hmm. y'all might want to get rid of it. Just a suggestion. Yeah. So yeah, so Admiral Prince uh, Aparakara and Prince of Chumhon have actually claimed to have had that relic. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, in an alternative kind of uh, vision, the monk actually assured that Maynard would have a future life and she would actually be reunited Aww. with her husband. And uh, thus, she voluntarily departed for the afterlife. So, that is the alternative. So, one is mm-hmm. more of a vengeful spirit um, who is actually looking to kill. And then the monk actually... Um, keeps her spirit in the like a piece of her forehead and that forehead actually is with the royal family right now or um the monk actually assured Minak that she will have a future life with her husband um so then she willingly departed for the mm. afterlife yeah so you know but with this kind of like supernatural stuff you can never be mm. too sure Mm-hmm. about what is the outcome but but these these are the main like the full laws yeah so eventually there was a shrine that was dedicated to Minak and it's at Wat Mahabud so in 1997 the shrine was relocated to a nearby Swan Luang district of modern Bangkok and this famous shrine is now a very popular visit for pregnant women seeking easy childbirth 
uh, and men hoping to avoid the military draft oh. and all kinds of people seeking lucky <laughs> lucky draw numbers um, uh. which is supposedly very Ooh. good at delivering like there are really a lot of stories of her delivering lucky Ooh. draw numbers mm-hmm. yeah so um, on nights of lottery draws the shrine is especially busy and draw ticket sellers tarot readers and fortune tellers uh, and worshippers are like mm. all over the shrine yeah, she she this folklore is also super popular. That you know she has so mm. many films made after her. Um, yeah, and I guess the um they're really like I guess for a lot of horror stories, there's really like a motivation behind the killing. But I guess this one's just very interesting because it stems from love. Mm. Yeah, mm. and it's like the desire. Yeah, I mean. It's a question also to think about. Like, if you had a partner and your partner passed um, and they came back as a ghost, would you yeah, still love your right. partner? Uh, uh, I, I, I'm sorry to my boyfriend. The answer <laughs> is a no. Oh my god. I can just Horrible. imagine Chen like getting a whole jug of holy water like throwing it on him. <laughs> I will freaking follow Santo my entire house. Stay away. Okay, but like, <laughs> I feel like I've seen way too many like human ghost love stories on Wattpad in my younger Wattpad oh loving God. days. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, shout out to that one Harry Styles fan fiction that was so good. It was oh actually so God. good. But I think if I reread it now, I'll be like, "What the heck is this shit?" Um, yeah, no, it's a no go for me too. It's it's kind of sad though that like the the force of her love for her husband essentially made her come back as a spirit. But you know, it's also mm, it's also a tragedy yeah. because like no matter what, they could never be together. You know, like she's a spirit and he's human. So that's yep. right. Is there anything about like the husband? Like what happened to the husband after? Oh well, the husband just continued living um his normal life. Yeah, so nothing happened to him because he actually eventually went to the temple and he's kind of seek mm. refuge there. But obviously. Like for the villagers, I, I mean, the woman never wanted to yeah. harm her husband, and she never. She just will. wanted to be with him. She's, yeah. She, if anything, her entire thing that she was angry with was number one. He tried to run away, and I think number two is she was more angry at the villagers for constantly trying to convince. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, but it's very very interesting. Yeah, I I find this story super interesting because like, um, I guess the normal stories that we have in Singapore, um. It's like the mom comes back as a vengeful spirit once you die as childbirth. But this is really a spin-off. It's like, instead of being vengeful, it's like, you come yeah, back even more loving. It's, it's a wholesome... <laughs> but you get caught being a... Yeah, but you get caught being a spirit so when you're making chili. So was just so. making chili. Like, I love me some good Thai chili. Not made from a ghost. Do you think her cooking enhanced because she's a spirit? Uh, I do not think so. But yeah, I think it's just very interesting. We should go to the shrine someday. <laughs> sure. My my bigger question is, is what happened to the baby? Like, so it was just uh, nothing. an eternal baby like, ghost. So, because it, it was childbirth, so she never actually gave birth to the baby. So the son was... So she, it was a failed childbirth. So she, she, they both died. So she was just a pregnant ghost. Oh no. Correct. And so no, I think she gave birth, but like yeah. they both okay. died. Still birth. So yeah, so it's I still birth and the mom died as well. So um when the baby comes back, okay, so I don't know too much about Thailand culture. Um but babies don't live or linger much in this world because they have nothing to hold on to. Oh so it's really just the mom holding on to the child. Yeah, it reminds me of so, that Thai horror film with aborted babies. Oh the aborted babies were yeah. super angry because they were aborted. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this one was like... And also because babies don't have the same agency yeah. as like adults or like the drive. 
So the baby was really just there because the mother really wanted yeah, to I hold on to the so baby. Yeah, I think that is so sad. Uh, My heart is so broken. Holy but, shit. Yeah. But, but after that, the baby would have just, like, just reincarnated already into their next life, yeah. Because, like, there was nothing to hold. The mother wouldn't want to hold on to the baby, really, because she was feeling so much rage. And also, the spirit was mm. already captured and put in the the yeah. jar. So, naturally, I believe the mom would have also let the child go. Oh, man. <laughs> this is so sad. Yeah, I'm also... Uh, when I was reading the story, I was like, oh, what kind of wife would I be if I was a wife? Would I be a vengeful <laughs> one? Or a loving one? And I, I think... One. I think I want to be a vengeful <laughs> one. I think quite oh fun. Oh my god, I think I would be super naggy, even in death. I would haunt my husband by nagging at him constantly. <laughs> yeah, I'll come in his dreams. Hello. You didn't clean that table I asked you to clean. Excuse me, my child doesn't like that. No, you'll be like nagging your child. Why is your homework like this? <laughs> Why are you going out with this other person? That's quick. I just died a year oh ago. Excuse me. Okay, let's 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 not jinx ourselves yeah, to like an you. early death. Touch wood. Yeah, I'm gonna touch wood. Well, thank you, Shen. That was heartbreaking. I'm sad now. Um, no problem. <laughs> let us know where would you put your earthen pot with a spirit. I want to know. Cause I think I would like leave it in like the deep part of my storeroom. Like all the way at the back, and then put like a bunch of shit on top of oh. it. Museum of haunted objects, uh. like the the one where Annabelle doll. The Annabelle doll is like stored. <laughs> Actually, yeah, she sent it there because, like, I guess the people there know how to take care of these things, right? I don't know. And the collectors, yeah. Oh well, let us know. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us 5 stars on Apple Podcasts and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher and iHeartRadio and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at HGU Podcasts. Share us a message or send us stories if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. I hope you guys enjoyed today's story. Thank you for listening and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.